Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. And welcome into Purple Access, part of the Purple Daily family, of course. We rotate on Thursdays, and this time it's Judd Declan and Tyler Fornis. Check out his outstanding work and also videos and um, podcasts at vikingswire.com, which is also the writing home of the sports dad. That's right. I write columns that frequently appear two or three times a week right now on vikingswire.com. It's a great place, though, in all seriousness, too, for one-stop shopping. So if you're trying to keep up, don't have a lot of time, perhaps, uh, with what's going on at training camp, vikingswire.com is the best place that you could possibly go. So check that out. And, uh, Tyler, let's start with this. You have uh, attended a bunch of practices, the night practice uh, a week ago Thursday, and a bunch of the afternoon practices as well. So I want to I wanna do what we ordinarily do with me, which is on PD. We often do Judd's training camp observations. Uh, instead of me doing it, though, I want to hear what your training camp observations have been so far. So give us some highlights, starting probably with the top one, training camp highlights or observations. They don't have to necessarily all be positive uh, from Tyler Fornis of Vikings Wire when it comes to what you've seen in Egan. I think when one of the interesting things about kind of watching practice and, you know, being yourself, having been on the beat for a long time, it's usually it's not an isolated day. It's not an isolated incident. It's about looking like across a spectrum, looking on a chronological timeline from where you started to where you are going. And I think one of the more interesting things is how consistent Brandon Powell has been as a route runner. And I was sat up in the stands with Luke Braun multiple days over the last week. And we honestly confused him with Justin Jefferson a couple times and it sounds blasphemous, but when you have a very similar number and you're sitting far enough away where you can't tell like the five inch size difference, like the way he was running routes and how crisp he was getting in on breaks was really impressive. And he was not doing that at Florida. He was not doing that for the Rams. So the fact that he's doing it now in practice really raises like a red flag for me. And that doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. It's like, okay, where's this coming from? Why is he all of a sudden figuring this out? Or was it something that they just never asked him to do, but now that Kevin O'Connell has him with him being in charge, he's giving him the opportunity to do so. There's so many intricate variables here as to why I want to see him now do it in a game. So being that he stood out early and then he kept standing out and kept standing out and showed this ability. Well, when guys are going to try and just bully him at the line of scrimmage, being that he's only five, eight and a half, 
uh, is that going to be able to be something you can count on on game days? And I think so far, that's my biggest takeaway. And in all honesty, the wide receiver position has probably been the best throughout training camp. They have been consistent. They have been explosive and cornerbacks are not meant to win a lot of these individual drills. They're just not. So if they win, it's a big deal. But just when they do individual drills on their own, how they're able to explode out of breaks and do some of just the normal things. It's been really impressive to see some of these guys. And it's going to be a really tough decision who makes the back end of that roster. And I'll tell you this, Jalen Naylor, the longer he's out, the more it puts his roster chances in doubt because of what I'm seeing from some of these guys. We got to remember they're high on him, but he's only a six round pick. It's not like they have this massive quantity invested in him. And I don't think he's really in danger of not making the roster. But if these guys keep performing, it's going to bring in conversations. And that's never a good thing when, you, uh, when you're a guy like Naylor. Tyler, has your opinions changed at all uh, on Nikhil Harry? Uh, I know you, you and I talked on Monday about him probably not having a shot in heck of making this roster, but big physical guy. I mean, like 6'2", 225 pounds. Judd said he even looks more like a tight end than he does a wide receiver. Uh, has your opinions or thoughts changed at all on how Nikhil Harry maybe even makes this roster? I didn't see the night practice. Um, I was too busy celebrating my wedding anniversary. Nice. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because it was more of a walkthrough than it was like a padded practice, which if I would have actually gone, I would have been very disappointed. So I heard he was really good. But at the end of the day, he hasn't shown me anything to where I should be excited for him to be on this football team. And that comes from all his time with the New England Patriots. That comes from last year with the Chicago Bears. That comes from the first practice I saw where I just didn't see him look explosive. He knocked down that little hurdle that they go under when they're doing like their cutting drills. I, I just didn't see it. Now, can he surprise me? Absolutely. Maybe he's figured it out after being in the NFL for four years. But this is a guy who's taken in the first round ahead of DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and he just hasn't been able to live up to snuff. If you're getting a guy in August, and he ends up making your practice squad, that's an absolute win. Unless it's like a Yannick Ngakwe who's just waiting for the right contract to come around. Nikhil Harry was a free agent for a reason. And he wasn't on a 90-man roster for a reason. So I'm not I'm not going to put any stock into him yet. Now, if he keeps performing, I will gladly change my tune. But right now, to me, he's just a camp body until he proves otherwise. And on the, the uh, aforementioned practice you were talking about on Tuesday, which was basically a... a walkthrough in preparation for the Thursday game against Seattle and shorts in the stadium at TCO. Um, Nikhil Harry also was getting some time on punt returns, but this goes back to your guy, Brandon Powell. I think Brandon Powell is going to be the punt returner. Um, he definitely is an option d- depending on what transpires here with Kane Wong as far as his return, because he's been out for a substantial amount of time. Um, but the bottom to go back, Tyler, to the bottom of the receiver depth chart too, potentially, I think it's going to be very interesting because right now, Jalen Rager's my odd man out, but to your point on Naylor, he hasn't practiced since the first day of camp. And I think they'd probably stash him on IR to start with, since that's not now a season ending list necessarily. But mm-hmm. I do think that the Rager decision is going to be interesting based on what we've talked about before, which is, if I'm correct about this, he's guaranteed $2.4 million no matter what. So he's going to get paid. Mm-hmm. But if Naylor was healthy right now, I think Rager would be the odd man out. But that is going to be, um, among the among the depth cuts towards the end there, 
the receiver is going to be among the most intriguing. Uh, but in my opinion now, I'm with you. I think Brandon Powell has gone from bubble guy to he has the roster made. Yeah, and that could obviously change with these preseason games because the like, especially playing receiver, being knocked off your access is such an important thing with the, all these timing routes. And is he going to be able to readjust and still be able to get to that spot when the ball is going to arrive? And I think all those little nuances are going to, we're going to learn a lot about them over the next few weeks. But yeah, the regular thing makes things a lot more difficult because there is that guaranteed money. And no matter what, having to pay that money, well, either he could go somewhere else. I don't know if there's offset language in the contract and that could change. So if nobody picks him up off of waivers and then they end up signing him to a vet minimum deal of like 1.1 million, the Vikings could potentially get that back if the offset language is in the contract, but we just don't know. And there's so many little nuanced things with these wide receivers. Like they're like, we're talking about guys who should be wide receiver four, wide receiver five. So those expectations, we can't have them just this sky high. It's not like we have five Jordan Addison's, but if you have all these depth players who you believe can play a really good role on the team, and you have to pick between them. It's still a very difficult decision. And the, the one guy I'm really intrigued by, Judd, I want to see Blake Prohl. He's never played a game in a Vikings uniform. He's been on the team since being a UDFA in 2021. Yep. And, and he's looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I think he is a practice squad guy for sure. Because I don't think... So here's where I think Powell has a huge leg up right now, okay? Mm-hmm. Rager came here, and he could change this perception, especially in the preseason games. But the fact is, Powell knows the system. Powell looks like he's in the right place at the right time. He can return punts, and, and Rager can too. But I think there's more reliability in Powell. And because, as we talk about this, depth receiver positions of guys who, quite frankly, aren't going to probably have to play a ton at receiver unless a guy goes down, you know, Jalen Rager ran the wrong route enough a year ago with the Vikings where, like, you can't have that. You can't go into a game and run the wrong route. And Jalen did that, I think, two or three times. I think Powell's going to be in the right place, and he might not have the Mm -hmm. dynamic upside that Jalen Rager came into the league with, but I think just the reliability of Powell is going to be seen. It's sort of like, for lack of a, a better analogy, it's a little bit like the Johnny Munt thing. Johnny Munt came here and knew exactly what he was doing, and that won him a job. I think Powell is this year's version of if we need him, we know he's not going to screw us. Jalen Rager, no question at times, screwed Kirk Cousins on passes. So I think that's where Mm -hmm. Powell has a huge advantage, just reliability. I agree. And from my perspective, it looks like Rager has started to figure out some of that route running stuff. And Obviously, those interceptions that you alluded to was in the Indianapolis Colts game a week before Christmas. So he had time to kind of figure it out, but he never had training camp. He never had an offseason with the Vikings. He basically came in blind. And I'm wondering how much a full offseason with this group has really impacted him. And I think he's going to get a good amount of playing time uh, tonight. And I'm really excited to see if he's learned anything and grown. Because if he's grown at all, I think there could be a chance he's he makes somewhat of an impact, at, at least a minor one on this team in 2023. Borno, with the uh, Vikings preseason game, the first one this evening against Seattle, are, are you looking at anyone who's looking to prove something in that preseason game? And I know Prax is um, more stock is being put there, but 
Obviously, Pat's come on to a degree. There's some type of validity that goes into it. Is there someone in the preseason game you're looking to kind of shine and show up for the Vikings and, and maybe even make a roster spot? Ah, funny you should mention that, Declan. I actually had a piece go out a couple days ago. Ten players who I think need a great performance. And there's a lot of a lot of different players who I think need that performance. But one I'm going to point out that I saw struggle a little bit after having a couple really good reps last week. And that's nose tackle Calvin Avery. Nose tackle is such an important position on this football team with what the defense is and how it how it's going to be impactful. And you've seen guys like Vince Wilfork really make a massive, massive difference to the success of like the New England Patriots version of his defense back in the late 2000s. And I, I think a great nose tackle is really imperative. Tonga, I've seen a lot from, but I liked Calvin Avery a lot coming out of Illinois. If he can play well over these next three days, don't count him out for a roster spot just because of how important that position is. But he's got a long hill to climb against in the threes. Uh, when I saw team drills on Monday, he did not look very good and he was being stood up relatively easily, but I have seen him play well with multiple good reps. I I just, I want to see more and you're going to have to see a lot more from him to make the team, but nose tackles an intriguing one because of how important and imperative it is for this defense. All right, sir. Training camp observation three. What What's your third observation that you've seen from the practices at TCO performance center? The Vikings seem to like Jaron Hall a little bit. And but as as I kind of mentioned earlier, the timeline, you want to see growth from practice to practice. And when they do these individual drills, what, what they do is they have the, the top two quarterbacks throw to receivers. And then they have the third quarterback go do like handoffs with like 11 on 11s, like just like, hey, make sure you're filling the right gaps, that kind of thing. So initially Hall was doing all the handoffs. Then I saw him not do the handoff. He'd do like, half passes, then go to the handoffs. And the last practice I was at, he didn't go back to do the handoffs at all. So they're starting to incorporate him a little more and a little more. Mullins is still firmly the number two guy, but they're giving him more opportunities to throw the football. And I think that's important. The night practice, he was making really good decisions, really good throws. The big problem was processing. He wasn't making decisions quick enough. And that's going to be a problem for him as it is for all rookies. You have to adjust to the speed of the NFL. It's just different. It's different going from high school to college. It's even bigger going from college to the NFL. And I'm really intrigued to see what he has uh, against the Seattle Seahawks tonight. It's going to be a lot of base stuff. It's going to be a lot of core concepts. But those core concepts, he ran consistently at BYU. So having that kind of continuity is going to be really big for him as well. I want to see more, but it's obvious that the Vikings like him at least a little bit. Otherwise, they wouldn't be giving him those opportunities in practice. I think based on who, who the coach is, I think right now he makes the 53. I think O'Connell, now if, if this was Zimmer, no chance. Practice squad guy or he gets claimed. Well, but I, I will say this, Judd, that new uh, third quarterback rule, you have to have them on the active roster to use it. Correct. That's gonna, that alone will get him the roster spot. Correct. But I, but I do think that they're also, and I mean, th- this is O'Connell's like first guy, right? Like his first young guy. I do think that there's going to be a pride factor and, you know, make no mistake. I know it's a fifth round pick, but Kevin O'Connell clearly had a huge role in the drafting of this kid. So this is not a, Hey, it's Kellen Mond, Mike, do what you will. And it it becomes a disaster. So I'm with you. I think there's going to be a certain level of patience here. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's going to be a development here. I'm not saying he's ever going to start a game in this league, but I do think he's going to be given the proper teaching to where it gives him an opportunity to someday 
be successful. And I think that's the big thing. So much of quarterbacks is situations. You can be the most talented player of all time. And arguably, Andrew Luck, to a lot of scouts, is the best quarterback prospect of all time. Well, he didn't necessarily go to a great situation. He got beaten and pulverized because of a disgustingly bad offensive line in front of him. And he retired early. He retired, what, after, like, what, six seasons? And he was one of the best quarterbacks in football. Like, situation matters so much. Does Dak Prescott become Dak Prescott if he's not in Dallas? Like, does Kirk Cousins get a shot if he's a fourth-round pick somewhere else? Like, there's so many of these things where the environment you're in matters. And I think this ended up being the right environment for Hall. Does that ultimately mean anything? Yeah, we'll find out. But I think if he's going to have a chance to succeed, this was the proper spot to do it because of utilizing those core principles in college, having a guy like Kevin O'Connell, and there's no pressure on him to do anything until at minimum next year. Tyler, do you think that there's a chance if they don't keep him on the 53, they put him on the practice squad that he's going to be unclaimed and be able to stay there? Or is that too risky of a proposition to not have Jaron Hall on the 53 man roster? There are a lot of factors with that. And I'll say this. I think last year, only six players got claimed off waivers from that uh, last wave. So, I mean, it's plausible. Tyler Thibbing was a seventh round pick of the Vikings out of Coastal Carolina. He got snagged by the Chiefs. There's always that chance. And especially if you do joint practices, that chance is going to significantly be higher. It's a great point. So uh, the Titans, they seem set at quarterback. The Cardinals aren't. If he plays mm-hmm. practices well and plays well against the Cardinals, you don't think that uh, they may take him and just be like, hey, you know what? Let's see what we have. Like they drafted Clayton Toon in the fifth round and there's rumors he could start. So it's it's a, a risky proposition, especially when you talk about quarterback. It's different if you want to sneak a linebacker or a wide receiver, but quarterback, that's one I would not want to mess with. And I'm totally with you. And again, I think that, that the head coach is going to go to the wall to keep him on the uh, 53 at cutdown mm-hmm. time. Hey, I want to get your observation on, on this too. Um, so when Dalvin Cook left, we all thought, okay, Madison's going to be the primary guy. There's no question he's atop the depth chart, but there's going to be a rotation behind him and there's going to be competition back there. So far, I'm not sure about you, but I've been underwhelmed by everybody behind him. What's your thought process there? And do you think that, that there is a chance that one of these guys, and keep in mind, Wong has been out for an extended period of time now because of injury emerges, or do you think that there's a better chance that when the cuts are made, that the Vikings will be among the things they'll be doing is searching the waiver wire for what they perceive to be a backup to Madison who can play as much or probably more than Alexander did previously with Cook? I'll say this. I still believe in Ty Chandler, but he's had a very up and down camp struggled yeah. early. I've seen a lot of good from him and a lot of that good. Like, it can be really hard for running backs in a lot of these team drills initially to really show out because you're not getting a lot of receptions. You're basically practicing hitting gaps. And then on 11 on 11s, you're like, you got to really have a close up view because these guys aren't really trying to tackle you. Like he had a really nice run in uh on uh, the first night practice where he exploded and he would have gotten at least 20, 25 yards. And he's got 99.7th percentile explosiveness with a 1.38, 10 yard split, 
43740 that's in the 98th percentile like mm-hmm. this guy has traits he also has the ability to pass block and catch the ball out of the backfield which gives him that third down utility i'm still very bullish on him mm-hmm. but he's got to have a really good preseason and really show some growth in those areas and if he doesn't i still don't believe wang wu is a true running back in this league he has shown me nothing to believe otherwise other than the Vikings have him currently listed two on the depth chart. That doesn't mean he's worthy of the spot. That just means that's where he is right now. McBride's not ready and he Don't needs time. Care. You can, uh, it's blatantly Correct. obvious from watching practice. I yep. think they'll probably try to keep him because he's so good at first and second down, but he needs help everywhere else. And he might be that Luigi Villain stash where they kind of redshirt him and don't really have him play and really help him grow and develop all aspects of his game and then unleash him next year. But I still believe in Ty Chandler, but if he struggles and Wong Wu can't come back, you have a good point that they may want to look at free agency and there's, there's some decent running backs available still. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. So if you were betting, Tyler, Ty Chandler, is that the one you'd like to probably see get the RB2 spot, if you will, or the first running back in when they sub out Alexander Madison if the regular season started today? If I had to bet, I would bet on Ty Chandler. Yes. What has Wong Wu shown? Like, honest question for you guys. What has Wong Wu shown to that he can handle playing running back in this league? And it's not like he doesn't have the skill set or ability to do it. He's shown nothing. And he's hurt now. So, yeah. yeah. And that's a big thing, too. If you're hurt, you can't do it. So, like, even in the limited opportunities he's had, and he was always viewed as a project. He had less than 500 carries in college across four seasons. He was behind Brees Hall, who arguably could have been offensive rookie of the year if it weren't for a torn ACL last year. So, you're like, okay, he's behind the, this great back. He was behind David yep. Montgomery, too. Well, maybe there's something we can do to develop him. And it was a great idea. And he's been a great kick returner. But I haven't seen it yet. And I need to see it before I, I give him any kind of, like, praise or believe he can be that guy i will say this too and it's sort of an underlying discussion when it comes to the entire running back position including madison but it can't be discounted and that is this the interior line when it comes to pass pro has question marks still right no question about it so the ability of pass protection from your your running backs becomes in my opinion even more important because Mm -hmm. you know Cleveland, Bradbury, and, and Ingram, especially the guards, aren't givens. So I think it becomes – because here's the thing. I don't think the Vikings, they're going to run the ball more, and I think they're, they're going to change things up from what they did a year ago. But, I mean, this is still a pass-first team. I mean, Kirk Cousins is the is the star along with the superstar, Justin Jefferson. But, you know, you can't discount the importance of the running back and pass pro here. Uh, because it's not like you got two, you know, Hall of Fame Pro Bowl guards, right? So yeah. at, at the at the end of the day, I think we all agree, and this would start with Quasi and O'Connell and go down to us here on Purple Access, you can't end up in week five with Kirk Cousins' ribs 
a mess again, right? Like to get where you want to go, you need to keep him upright more. So I just wouldn't discount the the very huge discussion when the cuts are made and discussions uh, when the film is watched of not only the running back's ability to actually run the football, but also how much can that guy be relied on in pass pro if and when things break down with the guards, because they're going to break down unless mm-hmm. you change the guards. And I think that's a really good point. The big thing that I've seen so far with like this interior offensive line and try to talk about the the running backs here, Madison's your best pass protecting running back. And yes. it's not close. Your second nope. best one is going to be Ty Chandler. And I think those guys, like there's a real chance Madison could be a bell cow. I don't, I think if they get anything from that running back two spot, it's not going to happen. And they're going to really do a lot of rotating, but it, there are so many question marks with this running back room and the preseason is going to tell us a lot. Chandler Wong, like Chandler specifically showed flashes in 2022 where there were people asking, well, could he take Madison's job? And they're like salary cap purposes. Like, are we going to pay this guy like $2.5 million? Like, like I've had those conversations about DJ Wanham. I've had those conversations about James Lynch. And unfortunately Lynch is injured and he's out for the year, but lucky for him, he still gets paid. It's an unfortunate timing there, but it's mm-hmm. about if you're giving guy $3 million and you, and let's put the, I'll put it a hundred percent. And a guy making $1 million is giving you like 85% who are you going to keep. And in this era of salary cap, you probably keep the guy at $1 million at 85%. So like, that was kind of where we were at last year. And I think Chandler still being on that rookie deal. I, I really believe in him and we'll see if he can uh, back it up. And is Dwayne McBride a just probably going to be a practice squad guy at this point, uh, Tyler, with with him uh, swimming in a little bit and him having to get a little stronger? And obviously there's some ball security issues there, too. Uh, Do you kind of see him probably tracking to be a practice squad guy when they break camp? No, I think he's going to stay on the roster because he would have been a third round pick if he would have tested. The big thing with McBride is it's that massive question mark with the pass catching. And it's been very inconsistent from the limited I've seen in camp. That's not necessarily great, but it's also not a massive disaster considering where his starting point is. I think if you put him on waivers, he's probably getting claimed because he has a great ability to run on first and second downs. And especially, in you know, like a running back by committee approach, that's got value. And then you put a lot of your stock into that third down back and the, the receiving back. Like you can have a really good rotation with those guys and not even have to worry about him being a pass catcher. I think he's the stash guy this year where he doesn't really play much, but you don't want to lose him because he's got a lot of potential as a first and second down running back. What have been, or what have been your observations at cornerback as well, Tyler? I'd be curious to get your thoughts on the, on a cornerback spot, which there definitely is some competition. I will say this Byron, Murphy Jr. is going to play, no question about it. Caleb Evans looks like he's guaranteed an outside corner spot. The other corner spot, though, I think has been uh, far more intriguing to watch. Your thoughts? So I'll say this. The limited amount of time I've been able to see Andrew Booth Jr. because he did get nicked up and was out for about a week of practice. He hasn't been, I haven't noticed him. And that's both a good and a bad thing. Because if you don't notice a cornerback, it means they're not screwing up. But it also means they're not doing anything to really pique your attention. So right. he's just a still a wild card, but I think we're, he's going to get some run in these preseason games. And I'm really, really excited to see what that looks like. Makai Blackman, it looks like the game is slowing down for him. And that's when things get dangerous. And we talked about that a lot with Brian Asamoah. 
because he's got such a quick trigger and he explodes so fast downhill. And you combine that with some of those instincts and how the game just becomes easier. And that's when you can really do some damage. And I think Blackman, just over the course of the week of practice that I was at, things were starting to get a little easier for him and slowing down. And he was able to make more plays and get closer to the football. And that that kind of improvement is really good. Like I've seen him in a couple of reps against Justin Jefferson where he doesn't even get obliterated. He kind of stays with him a little bit. Still mm-hmm. gets beaten. But this is a rookie cornerback competing with Justin Jefferson. That's a big deal. Like, and he's had some good reps against Osborne and Addison. Obviously, he knows Addison incredibly well. But I, I think there that's a positive. The one guy that's really stood out to me that I want everybody to watch for, Tay Gowan. 2021 seventh round pick of the Arizona Cardinals. He's bounced around a little bit. He played with the Eagles. Then he was with the Vikings practice squad last year, and he ended up uh, playing a a few games, but in special teams drills, he was physical. He was dominant. And then he was playing well in team drills at corner. And I think if he continues to do that, he may push a guy like Joe Williams for a spot on the roster. And at the very least, I think he's that practice squad guy that you call it multiple times. And then eventually he becomes on the active roster by the end of the year. And the, the guy um, who's doing the same thing at safety, in my opinion, is Theo Jackson, who is actually being mixed in at times in the first team big nickel when, when Metellus doesn't go in, which is a really interesting thing. So he, I mean, as far as I could tell Tyler in practice, he is ahead of scene as far as mm-hmm. what the coaching staff thinks. So like, there's a couple of guys here that are definitely emerging which again is a credit to this team not not only for scouting but the fact that they are willing to write some checks for some of these undrafted guys and lower level name free agents but jackson mm-hmm. likes to blow people up and i think brian flores approves the last thing i want to get from you is this ivan pace jr has been like the hot topic because he clearly is uh now mixing in a place of Osamo at times for first yeah. team reps has looked great I want to get not only your opinion of pace, which I think has been universally positive, but Asamoah as well um, with this thought. Brian Asamoah started training camp, no question, as a number one linebacker alongside uh, Hicks. Pace obviously deserves credit for his ascension. That being said, do you get the impression a little bit that Asamoah's inconsistency and not always being in the right place at the right time is another reason why Brian Flores, who my guess is not the most patient guy, and I don't blame him, is giving Pace a chance where I think we all assumed that was Asamoah's job and that everybody else was probably a distant second. I think there's some of that, but I I also want to say this. They've been rotating linebackers in in really odd fashion that doesn't seem to have any coherent thought. It's more of just getting guys in positions and kind of seeing how they react to it. Because I've seen a pace with Asamoah. I've seen pace with Hicks. I've seen yep. pace with Troy Dye. I've seen Wilson Huber even get a couple. I, I can't remember if it was first or second team reps. He like did they're, Tuesday. They're rotating these guys in and out consistently. And I think they're trying to figure out what the what duos kind of work the best for certain situations. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily read into anything with this linebacker room right now. But I will say this. Ivan Pace has been great. He should not start for this football team. He still cannot stack and shed. He still cannot move laterally great, but what he's good at, he's really good at, and that's why he's standing out so much, but that consistent down-to-down play, he's not there, and I think we need to have that expectation in our minds that look, he's awesome, but he's not ready 
for prime time in that sense. Still be patient with him. Still understand he's not a finished product. Maybe we can get more out of him, but he's going to be a situational player playing between like 20 and 60% of snaps, depending on the week and what he's asked to do. He's going to thrive. And I think that's, what's really important here, but Asamoah needs to be more consistent. If he's not, you're going to see a lot of runs that should go for two or three yards, go for 20 plus. And that's the real danger with him. But no, it's not good. And it's all about the gap efficiency. And that's why Jordan Hicks is so important because he's going to hit the right gap nearly every time. And Asamoah is going to be that, that shotgun blast. He's going to be that projectile missile to try and just be a play disruptor. And it's going to bite him at times. And I don't know if people are hundred percent ready for that because it's going to happen. And it happened a couple times in the preseason last year. And it was just rough. It's like, man, you, you gotta be more patient. You gotta pick the right gap. And Mm -hmm. if he doesn't, it could be a disaster, but this linebacker group has potential. I hope they can fulfill it. Check out that meat and potatoes football analysis from Forno again, vikingswire.com, which is uh, a site that he runs and it's absolutely fantastic. And that's a site I contribute to as well. So if you enjoy sports dad's pithy comments at times, check out the vikingswire.com. Declan, tell the people what they need to know before we go. Yeah. Hit the subscribe button for daily Minnesota Vikings entertainment right here on purple daily, where we just want to see the Vikings win a super bowl before we die.